What's going on, guys? You are locked in to another episode of the Four Quarters Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Cesspool Network. So since the last show, a lot of things have occurred, including the jaw-dropping, suspenseful, amazing, beautiful Kawhi Leonard masterpiece shot. A shot that defied all gravity, all sense, that just was the most amazing thing you'd ever seen. This shot, I'm still, like, I can still kind of, like, replay it in my head. And I feel like it's the second best shot of the playoffs. And a lot of people are debating me on that. And I feel like the Dame Lillard shot over over PG-13 to seal the fate of Oklahoma City Thunder in that last series. I felt like that shot trumps this shot just because of the swagger that Dame had, the fluidity of it. It was all net. He was damn near from half court. He pulled up. He knew he was going to hit that shot. And for me, that puts that shot, that ranks it number one out of those two shots. Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't discredit Kawhi's shot at all. It's a close second. I just don't like the way it hung around on the rim. It bounced four or five times before it dropped. Kawhi was fading away. The best thing about that shot is the images that were captured after it. You got to see Embiid and and Kawhi and, and other players around that bench react as that ball kind of gracefully uh, pitter-pattered on the rim before it finally dropped through the twine. It's an amazing shot. Again, I'm not taking anything away from it. It was a, it was a little sloppy. <laughs> Sorry, Kawhi. It was a sloppy shot. But um, with that being said, I think this series, now that Toronto has advanced to play Milwaukee, which they'll, they'll play tonight. I'm, I'm recording this before the game. I think that series is going to be one of the most interesting series, strictly because of matchups and Toronto has Kawhi Leonard obviously and Milwaukee has Giannis I'm not sure if you're gonna see those two guys match up you might see Siakam play Giannis at times or or the majority of of the of the series I think they'd want to hide Kawhi away from Giannis just because he'd have to expound so much energy guarding him that matchup to me is going to be the most interesting if it happens and I'd love to see it. I'd love to see those two guys uh, go at it. I think Kawhi could guard Giannis pretty well. What I will say about Giannis is that I don't think anybody besides Kawhi could could really do a good job on him on that side from Toronto. My prediction for this series is I think it's going to go seven. It's going to go six or seven. And I'm going to say that. I'm going to give it to Toronto just because I feel like they have the experience and they, I think this is finally their time to make it to the NBA finals this year with this squad, with Kawhi, his first year playing. I think he's going to carry them over the threshold and and really deliver. Now, on the other side in the West, you've got Golden State and Portland. Portland just dropped that game to Golden State the other day, and that doesn't surprise me at all. I'd be surprised if Portland 
wins two games. I mean, I'll give them a game. Golden State just looks like they're unbeatable, man. I mean, they have moments where the bench is clicking on all cylinders. They have moments, of course, where Klay Thompson is shooting lights out. Most importantly, Steph Curry is on fire. He's had that that uh, that hand injury, that dislocated finger. It doesn't look like that's bothering him right now. So you're going to continue to see Steph just pulling up from the logo, <laughs> pulling up from everywhere and draining these shots. And I don't think there's anything that anybody on Portland can do about it. I want to see Dame Lillard be more aggressive. I want to see Curry struggle to guard him. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So you're you're going to get a lot of a lot of curry just being as aggressive as possible and i don't know i I just portland i'm gonna say i'm gonna say this series maybe goes five games if durant comes back it, it might it might be quicker than that i don't know this team is just playing amazing without without durant and curry's just he's feeling it man he's feeling it so i don't know i don't know portland uh, it's just it, they've done some amazing things. They got through Denver, but this this is their brick wall. This is David and Goliath, and they're going down. They are the smaller, weaker team. I think another interesting matchup with Golden State and the Blazers is the one between the only two relatives on the team, which are Steph and Seth Curry. Curry's parents, they flipped coins before each well, flip a coin before each game to decide which son they root for. Now in this this game one, you saw Steph's father, Dell, with his son Steph's Golden State jersey while he saw his mom wearing Seth's home Portland Trailblazers jersey. After the game, Steph said he Steph said he thought it was weird to see to see his mom cheering in a uh, a Trailblazers jersey. He said, "I caught myself a couple times looking at the stands at my parents, who did the whole coin flip thing. They can't help themselves. So anytime either one of us did something good, they're both clapping. So they got to fix themselves." I told my mom, "Who are you with?" When I made a shot, I saw her stand up and cheer. But I saw all Portland gear, and that was just weird. Now, this matchup, I'm not sure if you're going to see too much of uh, Seth guarding Steph. I don't think he can. I don't think Portland's coach would want that matchup anyway. But it's just an interesting, it's just very interesting to see uh, to see two brothers go at it. And uh, to have two separate jerseys being worn by the parents is, is pretty pretty entertaining. So shout out to shout out to the two brothers duking it out, and shout out to the parents for being good sports and you know not uh, showing favoritism to obviously the, their better son <laughs> in Golden State. So outside of all of the NBA playoff buzz is or was the talk or the anticipation rather of the Zion sweepstakes, basically the lottery the draw for that to see, you know, which teams get those first few picks. Now, what's different about this year is that they've instilled this kind of anti-tanking, you know, rule and kind of which, you know, any team with the the lowest amount of wins can kind of like 
secure a top spot. So, and that's exactly what happened. It didn't, the Knicks were not a shoe in to win Zion. And uh, that pick going to the New Orleans Pelicans really uh, shook up the basketball world more, more closely, I think, uh, Knicks fans. I myself am still baffled by this, this occurrence. I, I, I mean, I understand, you know, instilling a system to make sure that teams aren't tanking, but you're kind of, you're kind of leaving it up to, if you're, if it's, if it's going to be like this, then teams who really need that number one pick are not getting them. The Pelicans don't really need a number one pick. The Knicks had a way worse record than the Pelicans. The system is already proven to be flawed, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Knicks fan. You'd like to see a team like the Knicks or another bottom barrel team like uh, Chicago, who had a really terrible record. You'd like to see either one of those teams come come out uh, victorious with a number one pick or a number two pick or a number three pick or whatever. So this was a huge disappointment. Jackson sent me an Instagram video of Zion's reaction to the Pelicans getting the number one pick. He pretty much looked like, yo, what? <laughs> like he's in his chair, he's looking around, he's smiling, he's kinda like raising his hand to his face and he's like, yo, what? I think his reaction is indicative of the reactions of most Knicks fans and most people around the league who are kinda like, you know, everyone even people who didn't watch basketball was like, yo, the Knicks get Zion, right? Yeah, you know, so you know, obviously disappointment to the Knicks, but also disappointment to the NBA as a whole. So outside of the Zion sweepstakes and the NBA playoffs madness that's going on right now, the Lakers signed a head coach, finally, Frank Vogel, to a multi-year deal. This was announced on Monday by general manager Rob Palenka, who said that the team is excited to add Frank Vogel as the next head coach of the Lakers, yada, yada, yada. Coach Vogel has proven has a proven track record of success in the NBA playoffs and he reflects the core qualities we're looking for in a head coach, including detailed game preparation, extreme hard work, and holding players accountable to the highest basketball standards. He's got to say all that for sure. I'm not uh, discrediting Frank Vogel at all. I think this is kind of a safe pick, which is fine. That's totally great. You know, if you're if you're the Lakers, you want to be safe and secure a uh, a coaching talent that you know you wholeheartedly believe is going to be the best choice for you based on the record. I think what's also interesting about this is that you got Jason Kidd who's also going to be a part of this coaching team for the Lakers. So they don't it's confusing. Well, not confusing, but it's just a little weird that they they hired Vogel over over Jason Kidd. I feel like Kidd was probably a better pick. I mean, you know, he's a former player. He's he's done okay for himself as a coach. I mean, I think he has a losing record, but this is a guy who probably can handle that pressure, and and I feel like would have been okay. But then again, you know, Frank Vogel, you know, he has a. Uh, hasn't done anything spectacular over his coaching career, but he's been decent, and the Lakers do need decent desperately. Well, kid will be right there, I guess, if Vogel needs any help, which I doubt 
he will. I mean, you know, being an assistant coach, you kind of have a little say, but at the end of the day, Vogel's at the helm. So I just don't see this working out for very long. I think uh, I think Kidd will eventually want to just be that number one guy in that in that uh, head coaching seat. So I definitely see them clashing. See this being more of a short term situation for Jason Kidd. That's it, guys. It's been another episode of the Four Quarters Podcast. You can follow me at Drew Goes In on Instagram. You can also follow our Cesspool Network on Instagram as well, at Cesspool Network. Peace.